What is going on, Summit Chasers? And welcome to another episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. Extremely excited for this episode of the show. I have Mr. Vinny Potestivo on the show. He's a former casting director for MTV. And if you're, let's say, under 25, you might not know what that is, but MTV was it from the late 90s to early, mid-2000s. And he really highlights the story of how he even got into that position, things that he's had to overcome, and he still is very modest. He's still a very humble human being, so I'm very excited to present him to you. He's also an Emmy-winning media advisor. He's the host of the podcast, I Have a Podcast. That is the name of the podcast. I'm not telling you that I have a podcast. His podcast name is I Have a Podcast. He's very successful with it. But I love the way, the lessons that we can take away from his story in the way that he explains it. And I think that y'all will get a lot out of this. So sit back, get your notepads out, leave your takeaways in the comment section below. I'm going to leave all the links so you can follow Vinny and everything that he has going on. I highly suggest it down below. But like I said, sit back, enjoy, and let us know what you think. So I have like 12, I have, I have 12 words that I bring with me into every year, by the way, and they're the same 12 words. So I, I don't mm -hmm. necessarily have a word for the year, but um, I do have an intention for the year. And the intention oh. is integration over collaboration. Oh, I like it. Do you care to elaborate? Yeah. Yeah, because like collaborate is like I'm over here, you're over here, and then we got to create another thing for us to accomplish, for us to achieve mm -hmm. our goals. I see. Yeah. But like, why can't like I'm good at leads and leadership? I'm a killer at leads and leadership. I didn't even know in business that's what you call my special skill set because I come from casting and mm -hmm. original development, and those two things are getting people from one place to another, that's uh -huh. casting. And then original development is thought leadership. How do I take what you do and get you ahead of the conversation so that you can start the conversation, mm -hmm. not just support the conversation. Um, and then it's the ongoing series that allows you to demonstrate leadership because that's what leadership is, is ongoing support. So if I yeah. can start conversations that we can support, which is literally punked, newlyweds, housewives, like all the show, all yeah. Ashley Simpson show, all the shows I've ever, all my strengths yeah. <laughs> here. Um, uh, and these are, to be honest, strengths with a 15-year-old Mandy Moore and a, an 18-year-old Ashley Simpson. So not to say that that was easier because they were famous, because it wasn't because young women in media yeah. are still young women in media, mm -hmm. especially in the 90s and early 2000s. So finding that space where they can be empowered and then that's integration. That's... Mm -hmm. Mandy Moore, you know what worked for Mandy Moore? MTV specifically asked me to go out and find the face of that female pop star boom. Like Spice mm -hmm. Girls happened, uh, Backstreet right, right. and Sync were yeah. already on the market, but uh, uh, Christina Aguilera wasn't at market yet, but Britney and Jessica were. And, mm -hmm. and came Mandy, who could just like be present and read and process. And she watched TRL and she was an active audience member. Oh. So she was like built to be part of the system and her presence was killer, man. She're just, for yeah. all that stuff that happens around you to be able to have a, a goal, a vision and yeah. a, a strong sense of self, you know, that's hard to find at that age. And, um, uh, and then developing around it so that you don't compromise the integrity of your character. So that your character doesn't take you into places that your brand or yourself should not be in. Cause that's what happens quickly <laughs> in media. And, right? People want and you to... that's exactly, that seems to happen all too often too. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's a classic Amazon example of like when you're seen as, as an expert in one thing, mm -hmm. people think you're the expert to solve all their problems and Amazon proves that people are right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, <laughs> if they're fully integrated. And that's what I like about the integration part is, uh, uh, it's more, it's more constant and I'm yep. part of a, a, I'm part of a bigger something. And as solo strategists in 2024, uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for solo strategists who have experience and opinion. And that's what strategy is, but great strategy, great execution of strategy requires bigger budgets, more cooperation, mm -hmm. less collaboration, more cooperation yep. mm -hmm. of the industry. So that's my little, that's the spiel, right? Like that's, that's where I was like, oh yeah, I really want integration. So what that looks like for me is I love Podmatch, podmatch.com, mm -hmm. Podmatch. mm -hmm. like a great place for podcasters and hosts to meet up. And um, the guy, Alex, who created Podmatch also created something called PodScore. And PodScore is a yeah. free assessment test for anybody to go out vpe.tv slash PodScore. Um, anyone can go take that test. It's free and it'll tell you that your strengths as a podcaster and also the gaps. So it measures the gains and the gaps. And in the gaps, for example, if getting discovered or visibility is something that you might need a little help with, I'm integrated into the output of that system and it will recommend people to connect with me, to follow me, and then I might be able to support them on their discovery vision. So all about or now you know now i gotta take it yeah. to the, i gotta bring it back to the vinny brand so now i'm vintegration you know our artificial artificial intelligence you know anything uh, i love it Vin gotta, is put it everywhere plug it everywhere <laughs> i love it i love you know, it well, if you can why not <laughs> and absolutely and i just i want to say again thank you so much for for being here that was that'll be a great intro i'm leaving all that in um oh cool an amazing intro I, I usually do an intro i film an intro afterwards so I try to plug plug everything that you do, some of the stuff that we talked about, you know, because I, I can't tell the future or something. We might talk about something completely off topic that would be amazing. And I want to be able to plug that at the beginning. If I did that now, I wouldn't know. So I usually do. You know it what? We, we can't tell the future, but we can make it. We can definitely make it 100 percent. I appreciate that's, that. Vinny. That's a cool. That's a cool part about like creating what you can and not what you should. Like what you mm -hmm. should do is support conversations that are, are helping move the needle but what we can do is ask better questions so we have stronger conversations <laughs> so yes. there's less talking and more action <laughs> absolutely i love it i love it well let's uh you have such an impressive i i was i was looking last night and i was like where do i even start with this guy and i i, I to, to your point it, you got to ask the better questions ask good questions um ask honest questions have honest conversations um yeah. and i just want to have that i want to just have that with you an honest conversation so like really quickly, I mean, people could do a quick search on what you've done and that they'd be able to see most of it. But in your your words, kind of let everybody know what you a little bit of your background and kind of what your your expertise kind of falls under. Oh, yeah. How, well, how, how I fell into my expertise more so. <laughs> I love it. Let's go. Look, I, I am a, I am a, a product of trauma and my superpowers come from a gnarly childhood where I became a a super empath because I needed to understand the, the motives and goals of people around me, uh, a people pleaser because I want everybody around me to be happy, uh, an excellent communicator because I know the more that I can empower other people to do things, the less that the less responsibility falls on my 
shoulders. And if I can cooperate more with people instead of help people get to where they want to go, if I can support people on their journey versus help people take a step, those are people that I don't have to constantly find and refine and, and start from scratch. All of that being said, um, I was also told I wasn't creative. I told I wasn't talented. So I listened to the adult that told me that and I kind of went into technology. I was a uh, a Microsoft Excel expert, by the way, I was like a Y2K oh. compliance officer in the 90s and wow. Credit Suisse first Boston and helped come up with databases that tracked the euro and all because I understood how to take information, organize it properly and correctly. And someone said that I should take out an ad on something called Backstage, which is the place where you go if you're a non-union actor, model, mm -hmm. host, whatever it is. If you're not union, this is where you go for opportunities. And I started sending, I got, so I took out an ad and I got a little over 700 submissions sent to school, which was like, one, you're not allowed to start businesses on campus, but I didn't even have a business. Oh, I didn't even think yeah. about, you know, it was like my miracle on 34th street. You know, when they, when they bring in Santa Claus's envelopes and they pour, he does exist. Yeah. He does exist. And, and there my casting career began. And I suddenly in New York became the person, the casting coordinator who understood technology and I could scale castings at a level that most casting directors weren't doing because casting back then was like going to a park to look for somebody, going to a club to look at talent, going to a, uh, an event to find the people who are connected to pop culture. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to work on Fox News, a show called Hannity and Combs here in America, which mm -hmm. is both sides, only two back then, but both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. um, hard conversations, but necessary conversations. And all I did was pick the people who asked questions and made sure that they filled out the releases. Like that was my goal. That's what I did with gotcha. my spreadsheets. And MTV caught wind that I was young and in the space of politics, and I was hired to cast Choose or Lose. Um, which is our, the, co the political coverage for the youth demo from the 90s, early 2000s, even onward. And uh, I brought in Suchin Pak and Gideon Yego and Sway to MTV News. And those, those personalities brought their personality into news. And for the first time in this convergence in MTV's history, where they're going from the good old days of rock and roll, bro. <laughs> like, sorry, we can't support you because like, you're not rock and roll. And you're like, that's not an yeah. acceptable answer. <laughs> Change up the programming, you know? And mm -hmm. by the way, Michael Jackson said that. Michael Jackson said, not acceptable answer. Mm -hmm. Take my videos off your network and don't play my videos only past 10 PM because that's when the sponsors are comfortable. Get the sponsors comfortable with my music during the day. And MTV said, no. So Michael and all of Sony, all of Columbia artists were removed from the network. And then a month later, mm -hmm. they found the resolve. And, and I was at MTV at a critical time where there was an awareness and there was just the start of action. So mm -hmm. I got to MTV in the late 90s. Some of the OG people who launched the network were running it. Uh, the graphic designer, Judy McGrath, who was at MTV when it launched, was the president of, of the network. So I grew up with really strong females in power at MTV. Yeah. And I had this idea that I can change my reality if I change my story. And what I had at MTV was access to talent who were constantly being misjudged, miscategorized. I'm, I'm I say I'm surrounded by my strengths here. Uh, what people said about Mandy Moore as a young female teen and what she should or shouldn't look like or how she should or shouldn't dress or Jessica Simpson's body type. 
because she's from the South or she's not, she, she sings like Whitney and Mariah, but she doesn't look like Whitney and Mariah. And what's the appropriate way for that conversation to happen in media? It's a really gnarly system of, uh, uh, it's a really gnarly system to be a part of as a yeah. star, as a celebrity, to be celebrated in a system that doesn't celebrate you. And MTV programmed music videos in 30 minute slots and we had the real world. It was Sharon Osbourne who came up with the idea of let's do the Osbournes meets reality. Osbournes meets the real world. And we pitched it at MTV and they said, our audience doesn't know who Ozzy Osbourne is. Like, you know how much education we're going to have to get? This is like the weirdest idea. It's never going to work. And we booked Ozzy, we booked uh, Jack and Kelly on Cribs, an yeah. episode of Cribs. And that did really well. And then we cut down the segment that they were in, brought it into programming. And then our department created Punked, Newlyweds, Osbournes, uh, uh, all, all of the celebrity-focused reality mm -hmm. TV programming that you saw in their late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, and that put MTV on the map. You know, we were channel yeah. 20 when I, was, uh, when, when I was at MTV in the beginning. By the time I left, we were in over 200 countries. We had taken our brand and become the go-to destination for top creators to collaborate with a media platform yeah that's... and it wasn't until the janet jackson nipplegate incident that happened at the super bowl that that youtube came in and squashed us with mm -hmm. with programming on demand because that, that's what we wanted right we mm -hmm. would all watch tv pause and record trying to record our favorite videos so we can just listen to it when we want it without the commercials and stuff mm -hmm. and um this little idea of like we can change our reality and if, if we cooperate if we integrate into an existing model of content, then we already have the audience that we need to reach out to. And no one was listening to artists. At MTV in the late 90s, when I got there, artists talked to their managers, the managers talked to the labels. MTV created the music video as a media format. MTV was giving music labels money to offset the cost of those music videos. But when the Nipplegate happened with Janet Jackson, then all of a sudden YouTube started getting music videos. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, YouTube was world premiering music videos, which was something I think we always took for granted that yeah. like who, who else would do a world premiere of a music video other than MTV? <laughs> so they said, um, and a lot of brilliance came from that platform. A lot of brilliance, by the way, one of the original VJs, Adam Curry is the guy who created the RSS feed. He created the protocol for an oh. audio file on a server that you can cast and pull back. Mm -hmm. And MTV, he bought MTV.com. <laughs> MTV famously said to him, why would we want a website or cable network? Like no one's going to go online to look for us. Yeah, right. I was there when it happened, that conversation. So all that to be said, um, I'm lucky to have been in the right place at the right time. I had some really cool ideas that people trusted me with and we executed. I found, I found low lift ways to incrementally get done what I needed to done. Like I, right, we pitched the show, no one understood Osborne, but I knew if I can get a little bit more tape and a little bit more energy, then you could start to see what it is that we saw here. Um, and I turned that into a, a business. Uh, uh, I launched my business from my dorm room because of those results in 98 and 99, I was hired by MTV and I stayed there until 07. I went to Bravo, NBC, Oxygen, and brought Housewives and Millionaire Matchmaker and a lot of those female-run businesses that where there's autonomy by a female business owner and for, for television, that's sort of the, the ideal scenario 
because uh, especially in the late 90s or early 2000s, they would say like the female controls the remote control. But now there's no now it's all about co-viewership and, and, yeah. and television is very much a defense. It's a defensive position. It's retention more so than growth. Um, and I left in 07 because I wanted to do this talent showcase around podcasting and they didn't see podcasting as a viable form of media. Um, I bought a, sh a podcast called Man and Wife and I brought it to MTV and we did a late night sex talk show with a, a married couple, by the way, because when I grew up in the 90s, it was uh, Dr. Drew and it was uh, Adam Carolla joking around about Gay, you know, my sexuality was the punchline, the joke, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. in back then. And I did, so I didn't relate to that. And I thought it would be really cool to see a couple talking about sex that didn't look like me and didn't have my cultural backgrounds. And, um, and the iPhone blew up. It gave us a literal production studio in our pocket. And then 10 years later with social media, now we have the platforms mm -hmm. to put it out. So if I can help people create content they own, yeah, I, all those people that I talked about, all those shows that I talked about, Wild and Out with Nick Cannon, Punked with Ashton, MTV owns those archives, by the way, and they own those IP mm -hmm. forever. That wouldn't happen nowadays. And America's pretty gnarly with intellectual property. Like we're, yeah. they own the networks own the idea versus most international countries where they actually allow the creator to continue to own it and they commission. The, the project. So a lot of people started taking shows out of America to get them created out of America. For example, Big Brother was a, Big Brother is a great example. You would go to Sweden, an English speaking territory where you can get a content out there. So it identifies and, and it lives as intellectual property and then license it to America. Top model was the same exact thing. The top model was something they take you intentionally people intentionally started leaving the States to make it intellectual property so that when they bring it back, they can own it and just license it. And I saw that happening. And now we can do that, especially podcasters, because we own our content. We have full autonomy on what we do with our content. And the future of discoverability, I believe, lies in bundling and being fully integrated into other story systems where we have discoverability, right? Because search on Google is no longer the end result. It's now like the beginning result for chat GPT. And that turns into that. So if I can help people get discovered, if I can help them be visible in the places where they want to be seen, like you have a, you don't need a casting director to tap you on the shoulder anymore and say, Hey, come on it. You are the right place, right time. I used to be the right place, right time as a casting director because of the manual analog way that media worked. And I just love, I love, talking and I use some permission based language a lot because like uh, we've been programmed to feed the system. And if we can be our own systems, mm -hmm. I've seen tremendous growth and tremendous success come from that. That's I, I, I was about to say, this is like the first podcast. So I don't have to talk and I love it. You, <laughs> that was, that's amazing. And you're, so I want to backtrack a, a, a bit here. There's a lot of places I want, I want to hit kind cool. of along the way, but I want to backtrack so you, there's a big gap. I'm going to say there's a big gap there because obviously there's a lot that happened in that gap. But you went from somebody telling you that you, you'll you never make it. You're, you're not creative. You're not this. You're not that. And it sounds like at the time, at least, you bought into it a little bit. You bought into that mm -hmm. false label that somebody gave you. So what, how did you, how did that play a role? And how did you break free of that? Did you break free of that? Or is it more of a, I, I, I'm good at suppressing it now sort of thing to get to 
where you were pitching these ideas to MTV and them saying, no, this isn't a good idea, but then you digging your feet into the ground saying, no, this is a great idea, and then following through with it. There's a big gap in, in mentality there. So how did you overcome that, and how did that play a role in your success going forward? So I fully bought in and believed that I wasn't talented. In fact, the, the person said, there's no one in our family, oh, now you know it's a family member, there's no one in our family who is in entertainment and to be honest, we don't think you're talented. So this is the only way you'll ever make it is if you happen to randomly meet a casting director on some corner in Times Square. And I suddenly became a servant to talent, I think is what I did. I wanted to be surrounded by talent. I want, I thought, you know, if I can have 10 friends that are like the most talented people, I could learn habits and I can tap into the things that they're doing and some of that is just being comfortable with myself, allowing allowing myself, giving myself permission to be in the room and to be great, to be really honest. I was giving myself permission to be in a room of really talented people. What I didn't realize was what that looks like on the outside is, oh, Vinny's very talented because he's always with the 10 most talented people. Mm -hmm. That was like a mindset that I had. When my friend told me that I should take out an ad, to service the casting, the, the talent that I knew I can service, I started something called Backstage, which was a paper magazine. You can only get it at like five newsstands in Manhattan, the drama bookshop being like the main source, a very limited distribution, but tremendous opportunity. I knew that agents were buying that and giving it to their clients as opportunities. And I thought if I could do a spreadsheet, Boop, 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 boop. I could just find people and send them opportunities. And wouldn't that be cool if I could just help people find gigs? And then one day I saw the ad and it said casting director, Times Square, MTV, four o'clock on Tuesday. I was like, well, this is the moment. <laughs> if I'm going to meet a casting director and they're going to think I'm talented, they, I got to go. And I went to MTV, Times Square, and I got asked to ask Whitney Houston a question. Um, Whitney, what was it like recording with Mariah Carey on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack? That was my big question. And what I didn't know is how much the sh the stage managers rehearse you and prep you for that moment. So I was like gassed. I was very excited for yeah. that moment. And Whitney comes out and did we do a quick little rehearsal, which now I'm like, they rehearse live TV. This is like, <laughs> I'm stimming, you know, like yeah. my sensory explode, I'm exploding. And and ideas and Whitney goes, I'm not answering that question. Give me a different person with a different question. And I was like, no, <laughs> my dreams. And I had so much fun doing the rehearsal process. I turned to the casting director and this is what I did right that I didn't know that I did right. I said, this was, I had a lot of fun here. You know, I have a database of like over 700 models, actors, dancers, really talented people, all from the tri-state area. If you ever need more people nice. to do this sort of thing, you know, let me know. I'd love to send you some people. And he was like, well, they just told me I have to do a very Busta Rhymes Christmas special tomorrow. Busta is going to sit on a throne and he's going to take some Christmas uh, literature and turn it into his own. And could you get us 20 people? I thought 20 people to come to Times Square to listen to Busta Rhymes till Christmas. Like I'm going to go back to school and be like the most popular guy on campus. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. And I, I, what I didn't realize I was doing was I was, I didn't just say, how can I help? There wasn't a, it wasn't a soft way to support. I, I was very intentional. I said, I have a database of over 700 people. This is just something that I can do for you here. I didn't realize how important that was because in less than a year, I had recast MTV News. I was running, uh, MTV used to have a competition called Wanna Be a VJ where they would 
test out their presenters and hosts mm -hmm. to see who the new, you know, video jockeys would be, the people who were going to introduce music videos and hundreds of thousands of people would line up to do that. I had a database. I had the structure to manage that level of casting in a really organized way. And we can go back quickly to find people. And um, I say that, and I want to give a shout out to my tech background too, because I did spend a lot of time in the computer center at Wagner College, fixing everyone's papers, fixing their reports from spacing to fonts and all that stuff. I didn't realize what I was doing then was learning how to create show pitches, you know, like a piece of paper has to have energy on it. And, yeah. and what that paper looks like back in the nineties is what is that's going to be what helps get a TV show made or not. And mm -hmm. I'd worked with so many different types of people and I understood, you know, the nursing papers look very different than the arts admin papers look very different than the biology majors look different than the theater majors. And I took that energy with me into the digital space of how to, how to represent a creative idea. Mm -hmm. And I used technology to do that. I was one of the first people at MTV to be like, roll it X's. We got to put this into our contact so we could do some search and like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that was the, that was the, the mindset. Uh, I took a clap to, to there, there was a pivotal moment, like the big bang moment for me, mm -hmm. by the way, which I kind of stepped over. Um, I took a class called the Landmark Forum. I don't know if you're familiar with it, um, but it's a, it's a self-empowerment okay. class. And I took it in October. And in it, it told us that we tend to be bad storytellers. We tend to tell a version of our story that other people tell. So our, our version of our life and our story that we tend to repeat tend to be a reflection of how other people see us, not how we see us. And keep in mind, we had no selfies back then. We had mirrors and we didn't... That wasn't, yeah. that doesn't count, you know, as like, I see myself and I understand how I look and I understand I'm better than what, and, but now I understand why people do affirmations into the mirror. That makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. that all clicked. Mm -hmm. And it was that person who told me to take an ad out and backstage and, uh, well, she actually said, what would a casting director do with tech experience? I said, well, backstage is not a, a website yet. So like no one has access to the opportunities that are in backstage and Instead of calling backstage and trying to get them to be a website, I was like, I'll just be a servant of the information. I just, I wanted, I didn't want to help the platform. I wanted to help the people. Yeah. And casting, and casting, casting is like the only person in the media who's hired to find new people. Agents, managers are, that's their goal is not to find new people. Their goal is to monetize viable mm -hmm. talent brands, mm -hmm. right? So like that, there's a, a defense component to what they do. Yeah. So there's a few, it was that really... ability. Yeah, there's a few really great uh, lessons in what you just said. And one, one that I liked the most that you said was you accidentally did the right thing, but you used your, your leverage and it's leverage that you gain through educating yourself, bringing something unique to the industry or unique to whatever situation you're trying to get involved in and, and you're trying to succeed in. And, but you used, you used your leverage, which was your unique skill set that you had to go and get outside of this and you leveraged it in a way that was very valuable to them where a lot of people they they don't take the time to do that when they're trying to gain opportunity or they're trying to seek opportunity they think oh it's owed to me or i'm they did the same thing that everybody else like if 
you, that, that person could have had that same conversation with 20 other people, but those 19 of them didn't have the tech background and the leverage that you had. So you would have then won over out of those 20 people. For a lot of people, they, they don't, they're not willing to do that work to gain the leverage or they try yeah. to, they try to shoot too high too quickly without getting the leverage to get the favor type of thing. So I, I, that was, that's a great lesson. I think in there and I, you, you speak like this so modestly, You're like it was a lot of luck and I accidentally did something right. And mm. maybe, it, maybe it all kind of came together, but you had to, you had to have the, the purpose, the mission, the vision, the, the drive, the want, the gusto. There's many other words I could probably think of to even uh, have that conversation. survival instinct. <laughs> yeah. what it was. I wasn't focused <laughs> on the answers. I just mm. needed a better question. Up front. Mm. I didn't even know what the questions were. So why mm. would I start answering? I was told I don't know the people. I was told I don't have access. And I believed it. By the way, um, I've gotten to share the story quite a little bit in podcasting over the last few years. And maybe it was two years ago when I realized, you know what I did when I was told that I wasn't talented? I went to Wagner College and I got a vocal scholarship. I got a half ride to Wagner College for singing by the way. And I never even gave myself the credit. I'm going to make me get a little emotional on this one, but I never even gave myself the, I never even thought to myself, well, then maybe you, you got a scholarship. So maybe there's something there, you know, like maybe, uh, maybe you're not, you're not too far away from where you thought you were just because someone else didn't see that in you. Mm -hmm. And look, uh, those changes can come from internal moments or external moments. For me, it was an external moment that happened. But if I didn't feel like I had to prove myself, if I didn't feel like I need, I could go above and beyond. Some really talented people believe that if they go above and beyond, it diminishes their talent. Mm -hmm. They think that if I, I'm so powerful, I'm so big, I need to make myself smaller so that I don't offend the people in the space that I'm growing in. But let me tell you something. Planets attract moons. Moons don't attract planets. Yeah. <laughs> That's a <laughs> and, good point. It's really, I use, I use, and I love everything about the cycle of the universe. And I use physics a lot in, in a talent brand and how to get discovered because like I won an Emmy, but I didn't win an Emmy once in my entire life. I get a shot to win an Emmy every single year. I get a shot to win in a golden globe and an Oscar. I can be my ego every single year. I can do that. And um, when I realized that I don't have an Emmy, because I never won, because I was never nominated, because I never applied. Mm -hmm. when, yeah, when I did that reverse chain and I was like, wait a second. So like, I'm doing this to myself that, and you can apply yourself by the, there's some politics involved in what I'm saying here, because usually the media platform chooses who they want to have attached to the nomination bid. So like when the, Os when Osborne's won an Emmy for it's an, I was a, coordinator my boss got the credit and all the executives at mtv got the credit for that and the statue my name wasn't attached to that project because you know young and exciting new and all of it you know being sort of like relative well that's not the reason why but we don't have to go in that direction <laughs> of, of why i didn't get the nomination um but i know a lot of actors who had to pay their own money by the way you have to permission inspires action you have to give permission to these platforms to use your name, image, and likeness to qualify for an award. And I had intention to win an, an Emmy. I wanted to win an Emmy because I'd worked hard in this media field and casting didn't get Emmys up until four years ago. So we're in 2020 oh. is when casting in, in unscripted programming, casting in films 
has received you know awards in the past but not not an emmy for television and not for unscripted um so uh now i'm passionate about helping people win awards by the way i'm very when you come out with a podcast by the way you can win an award for being a guest you can win an award for having an sing a single episode you can win an award for having a great blog a great title there's a lot of ways to win awards and those awards are celebrations Mm -hmm. that celebration gives your community and audience a chance to share and celebrate you and that's that's strong look no one talks word of mouth is dead but sharing mm -hmm. is king sharing is what sharing is growth so if we can create those shareable moments that become data points mm -hmm. then that's going to help with visibility and i realized that with imdb Right, because IMDb, the Internet Movie Database, is a, mm -hmm. a resource of all intellectual property. Podcasting is an approved intellectual property type that can receive credit. So, if you are a host, an executive producer, an editor, a writer, if you're any part of a production entity in podcasting, there's a data point that you can create on IMDb, and the value of being on IMDb is that it's got really high domain authority and Google trusts it. And if I can tell IMDB, for example, that Vinny and Zach are connected through your podcast, now when people go to my profile on IMDB to see maybe my TV shows, they'll see what podcasts I've appeared on. And now mm -hmm. I'm giving you visibility because someone searched is like the reverse search, you know, like people are, we're working backwards. Yeah. We tend to look for breadcrumbs and we want to find the source of it. So um, I leverage IMDB for special thanks. This is like, I just dropped my voice. Cause you know, it's like a good, you know, serious. when it gets good when yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, networking is a, is a, a tool of mine that I, again, I was intentional. I didn't mean to be so strategic in how I network, but just have a lot of intentionality. And, mm -hmm. I, I say that because there's, uh, I want to give permission here. There's a difference between being divisive and being intentional. Mm -hmm. Divisive is I'm intentionally going to get you to a place that benefits me. Mm -hmm. That would be like, you, I'm going to get you to a place where you can buy my services. I'm going to get you to a place where you can buy my this or support my that. Intentionality mm -hmm. is let's create something together that's going to help you. And then like, let's see where that goes. So for example, my podcast is called, I have a podcast and I go back and talk to the people that I've worked with for 25, 30 years in media. So uh, recently I had uh, Matthew Knowles, Beyonce's dad on the episode because I got to cast Beyonce in her first lead role on MTV, which is like what we used to do before reality TV happened. Yeah. Uh, Car she played Carmen in, the, in Carmen, the hip hopera. And um, uh, my intentionality was to be able to showcase to people my relationships that I have over the years. Not, mm -hmm. not that I have access to celebrity talent, but the relationship that I built over mm -hmm. the years. But I realized I was neglecting this. I was neglecting new people in my life that I would not otherwise connect with. And I know a lot of us use podcasting as a way to network. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'll just create, I have a podcast.com. And then when I meet people, I can give them a link that maybe they want me to write an article about them, like a featured mm -hmm. podcaster article, because most people talk about podcasting as, as like a list, you know, five podcasters, five podcasts to follow or 10 podcasters yeah. in their niche. But no one was saying, here's one story about one podcaster. And I launched, I have a podcast.com with the intent to support the independent podcast community. Mm -hmm. Now 
<laughs> as a result of that intention, I have a very high domain ranking website that when I write an article about people, it shows up in the news tab in Google. It shows up in their search results. If you have a search, if you have search results and you have Google search set to index you and alert you when you've been notified and when your names hit the hit the web to be notified. So I'm coming in as a source. And by the way, this is a cool trick because it costs nothing to do. Um, I took my blog RSS and I went to Google and I dropped my blog RSS into Google and I said, I'm a source. I'm not a storyteller. I'm a source. I'm <clears throat> I'm creating these stories. I think other websites are going to want to syndicate my content. So anyone out there who's got a blog, whether it's a podcast or just a blog, that's up, go to vpe.tv slash verify Google news. And that will take you to the exact landing page on Google where you can start this journey. And now that ChatGPT is around, I can't tell you how much I show up in the final results of content because I took the time to take my search results and control the narrative of my search results. Not, not control, but let's just say uh, input in, into in, my search mm -hmm. results so that I that changes my images on Google search image. It changes the landing page and what I rank for immediately, by the way, because IMDB is owned by Amazon and that's basically like 99, it's got a 99, if not a hundred percent domain authority, which means that Google really trusts it versus my website, vpe.tv, a strong website, but maybe it's got a domain authority of 50, 60, and you know, we're kind of smaller. And so that, that really matters a lot. And, um, if I wasn't a people pleaser, if I didn't go through those things, I wouldn't feel like I had something to prove and it wouldn't push me to be in the rooms to just see what would happen there. So I started by, as I said, finding the hosts. And then when you're known for one thing, you're kind of become known for everything. So like, well, Vinny found the host. He must be good at training them. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so that's some weird logic, but okay, guy, what do I, <laughs> sure, what? And I was in, I'll never forget it. We uh, we just launched a brand new, we launched MTV2. Um, so we had a whole new group of VJs. And uh, Will I Am was the guest mm -hmm. of the uh, of the show. And he had a, a, the number one hit song back then. And after the show was done, he was clowning the new host. And he goes, I don't understand. Why do I have the number one video and I'm on the show for six minutes and they're on the show for 30 minutes? Like, what do you got to do to host a show around here? And everyone in the room looked at me. I didn't know that that was my power, but everyone, like it was like every eye was suddenly on me. And I was like, oh, I know. There's like two people I have to talk to. Would you, Will, would you really host a show? Because that's a, that's a really good idea. And we'd never done that before. So having a, an artist host a show, that was taboo, by the way, mm -hmm. because of the old infrastructure of MTV. We're going to gate the opportunity. We're going to control the narrative. We're not going to empower the artist as much as they are. We're going to make them come on as a guest on a show. What I got to do was empower them. I, I was giving shows out. You know how easy it is back then in the 90s to pick up a phone? Boop, boop, boop. Uh, hey, Wade Robson, we don't have a dance show. You want to pitch us a dance show so we could do a dance show? That would be cool. And put it in a studio because I know we have a studio in LA that we're not using. And MTV is trying to find a way to offset the cost of production. So pitch it as like an LA based show, tie it to the community, the culture of dancers, you know, I come up with a reason why it has to be in LA. So for me, it's always about the culture of the community and LA has a really cool dance culture, very different than 
New York and my, my New York is very Broadway and mm-hmm. performative and artsy and and LA was music video heaven. Like that's where all of those giant dancers and choreographers were coming from. So um that was that was it. It was just like being in the right place, right time. But again, it was and 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 you know what? Active listening. But again, that's trauma turned superpower. <laughs> active <laughs> but, listening, yeah. Well, and there, again, there's so much. Well, active listening. Sorry, go go ahead. Active listening. No, I was going to say, well, when when a network, you know, like Bravo says, we're going to put ten million dollars into a franchise, a Housewives franchise. Go find us five characters that we can tell the story about that's done by active listening. I'm in a room one-on-one with one woman at a time asking questions and having dialogue, figuring out the, do the mannerisms and the goals and the values support the story. Are they, are they consistently who they are in this room as they are outside of that room? And that active listening, man, that's like, that's everything. If you can speak their language, you can make it their idea, empower them to make it. That's, infinite that that power is infinite my my resources are finite by the way i can only do so much but i have great ideas i'm not sensitive about giving them to other people i'm not i ain't dying without all my ideas being exhausted and i <laughs> well, love that's, seeing that that's leadership 101 right like yeah actively because yeah. they say like great communication successful communication effective communication is really graded on your ability to get the outcome you want not necessarily do you think that you're saying the right things does it make sense to you or are you able do i understand what i'm saying to this person it's about can i communicate with them and connect with them and when i do give them an idea am i getting the idea across so it makes sense to get the outcome to them not to me right yeah like communication 101 well there's one thing like the paperwork that's what i mean with the paperwork and the mm-hmm. font and like that's where i'm like oh i have to make it look like the way they're comfortable getting mm-hmm. information otherwise i'm disrupting their their knowledge flow and their learning flow and then that's not going to get me what i want because now i'm doing something now i'm educating as opposed to inspiring an idea yeah and that's a mistake we we think that we're we should educate everybody we want to sound smarter than them well, no, we want them on our team. We want to unify them to our vision and collaborate, integrate. It's yeah. a great word, right? For that now, it's word of the word of the podcast, word yeah, of the year, cool. word of the year. Yeah, um, it is. So, and one thing that you you brought up this is this is a while back, and then I have I have a couple uh, things I want to hit on. But is one great thing you said is to take responsibility for everything that you do, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then you're admitting that there's nothing you can do about it. So if you don't, if you blame everybody else, you blame a situation, you blame whatever somebody something said to you or somebody said something to you and you blame that on on them and not your reaction to it or again or your communication right and if you don't take responsibility for that you're admitting that you cannot get better at it and you can't improve and you're stuck where you are right so that was a great i think lesson from your story is you took responsibility and you're like no i can do something about it and this is what i can you had a plan and you and you you did it and you, like you, you keep saying luck but you, i mean you have to you have to take a advantage lot of hard of work to get lucky <laughs> yeah exactly. like like luck favors the prepared and the skilled right it's like you true. and then you had a ton of that and so I, I wanted to clarify something really quickly so you got a scholarship and for for singing or in, in mm-hmm. music and you still didn't think you were talented yeah that's yeah. it never that, even occurred to me but you know what let me tell you something um so then i went to school i was a psychology major with a vocal scholarship okay. which didn't make any sense <laughs> i didn't i liked psychology because i liked 
people part. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw, I came up with a uh, arts, I came up with arts administration. I wanted to learn the business of arts and I pitched the syllabus to Wagner College my freshman year. By the end of my freshman year, it was approved. I got to help pick the adjunct professors that ran that for the next three years. And I had this vision of like, what well, we could be, why, why are we just the theater school? Why aren't we the business of theater? Like it just made so much sense to me to be in a space like that. So I wasn't even supposed to be in the, the shows. I wasn't supposed to be in acting classes. So what I would do is I would ask if I could um, audit the class. I would ask if I could just go and sit in and watch people do it. And that was like not something that people did in school. At my, Wagner College is a couple of hundred people in my in my grade. By the way, I got a very small college compared to my high school, which was five thousand. I'm from Staten Island, so five thousand people in my high school. In my high school, I think eleven hundred total, including graduates and undergraduates at Wagner College. Three hundred people in my class, I think, is what we were dealing with. But by auditing talent by seeing the relationship of instructor and talent and, and director and actor and, and i was able to start to see the relationship between those two types what their goal was and what their goal was and then i would say hey with all like the i know that you know i know the professors pick who's in the shows and stuff like that and there's no casting here but like can I just be part of the casting process? I don't necessarily need to be in the shows. I just like to be in the casting process. And um, uh, again, because I was, I was told something that I believed. So I thought I need to go about it differently, but I didn't let that stop me. I, I actually took that as permission <laughs> mm -hmm. to do something quite unique that no one else was really doing. And also I just told I wasn't talented so I didn't want to be compared to that's what that I didn't want to be compared to somebody that's mm -hmm. what I really want I wanted so reality tv who was doing reality tv except for real world on MTV in the 90s mm -hmm. and when MySpace and then and Facebook came out then there was thousands of and I'm not saying the snarky but qualified casting professionals not directors but that's the there's a little snark I couldn't hold back then but <laughs> And suddenly my industry got flooded with people who wanted to do the very thing that I felt isolated with my entire life and mm -hmm. career because no one understood what I was doing. But I didn't ever focus on my um, projects. I focused on the opportunity. Uh, you, don't, you don't cast all, I mean, hundreds of thousands of shows mm -hmm. on MTV, MTV2, MTV3, MTV.com, MTVU, and then two dozen international, you don't cast that many shows by searching for your talent and you don't do it so well mm -hmm. i gotta say god bless the good old days of uh in the, in the 2009 to 2007 caliber of talent i was working with i focused on making sure people knew i was a gatekeeper at mtv i'm in times square i'm on the corner of 45th and broadway i'm the casting director right there so all you need to do is come to me and i'll open the door mm -hmm. And that's what that person did for me was open the door. And when you open the door for the outliers, the organizers, the cultural organizers of communities that I didn't even understand, I didn't even speak the language, let alone know the music. And here I am, by the way, I wanted to be a Broadway producer. So I wasn't even listening to pop culture, let alone rock or EDM or hip hop or rap or any of the other genres that were out there. But suddenly I was casting those people. So I would call up the radio stations, the programming directors, and I would say, hey, I'm the guy from MTV who does this. 
you guys have like this cycle of talent that come in and out. So what if I made them famous on TV, but they can still be radio personalities and then you have radio personalities on TV. And mm-hmm. Wouldn't that kind of be a cool way to grow talent and like share in making them bigger. And also we got millions of dollars in marketing. Mm-hmm. You don't. So now I'm going to give your talent millions of dollars of marketing and I'm going to call them hot 97. DJ Clue from Hot 97 is now hosting an, a, a direct effect. Lala Anthony, well, Lala uh, Vasquez, Lala, let's call her mm-hmm. Lala back in the day um, before she married Carmelo, was, you know, huge, huge personalities on radio that I got to bring in. But I, I focused on the outliers and I kept that door open. Um, the other thing I did unique at MTV and my everyone who works with me always like jokes about this. Um, I had a golden ticket from Willy Wonka. A literal, like a literal car in the hotline, and I would one call of the five. like, but, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I would call, yeah, yeah, one of the five. I think I was Veruca Salt. I think was my personality <laughs> type. Mm-hmm. I, uh, can I have a five hundred nerd nerd ropes and ten ten hundred Wonka bars sent to my, <laughs> you know, I needed people to come to my office so that they were in my space, so they would get their sugar rush, and then I would pitch them talent. So producers, executive producers, the president, the GM, uh, mm-hmm. legal counsel. I had a different type of candy situation going mm-hmm. on. And you always knew you were going to get something different when you came around here. And I just love connecting people. So I didn't even wait for the casting to happen. I didn't wait for someone to say, go find X, Y, Z. Cause I knew that I had the attention of people who trusted my output. So I'm not going to just wait for your question to give you that answer. I'm going to do a little extra work and then I can start bringing in ideas on my own that no one is asking mm-hmm. for. And that is really what opened up reality television to be yeah. the narrative on MTV that it became, which was empowering people in their own stories. Except now I think that it's cool if you can own it. And mm-hmm. that wasn't an option back then. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't wait. So you didn't wait for permission. You, you just started doing what you knew to do best. And you, so you got ahead of it. You didn't wait. You didn't procrastinate. I built the system. I built yeah. the system. I mean, I, there was a sugar system, you know, there was a, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> it's come a to my office and get the nerds rope. I could mm-hmm. have brought that down to craft services. I could have put it in the kitchen where everybody else was. I could have had visibility in the common area, but I didn't want that. I wanted them to come to me. I wanted to have a relationship with the people because mm-hmm. now we're not talking about work. Now we're talking about your childhood. I'm in, man. I'm, mm-hmm. I am in like, this is, yeah who I want to, and these are the people who are supporting me and they're, they're enjoying the process. Mm-hmm. If you can get people to enjoy the process, they'll say yes a lot quicker. Yeah, <laughs> if they're 100%. grumpy and they have low blood sugar, you're not getting the approvals <laughs> that you need. <laughs> Just the blood sugar is the key. Blood sugar yeah, is key. Everyone right. write that down. Energy, energy, you... energy out, energy mm-hmm. in. It's If you don't like what you're getting, check what you're giving. It's really, really true. Ooh, if you don't like what yeah. you're getting, check what you're giving. I love that. Yeah. Do you feel like you, so you went on a lot of different paths that were, that were different from what you, you expected. Like you said, you wanted to be on Broadway and here you are on MTV, you know, casting Will I Am on, a, on his talk show. Um, do you feel like you ended up where you were supposed to end up? Oh yeah. By the way, Broadway's on MTV. I mean, MTV is on Broadway, 1515 oh, Broadway. Go. So that's why I said yes to the cable network. Um, in 2007, I did the search of L, Legally Blonde, and got Legally Blonde to air on MTV. So it's the first time MTV ever did an original special where they actually took a stage production on Broadway oh. and brought it to the network. So I think that it worked out brilliantly for me. And I'm, I'm very involved as a producer in theatrical productions now because of what I did in the past with 
my own history. Uh, I think this month alone, Alicia Alicia Keys is uh, Alicia mm-hmm. Keys is coming out with her musical in 2024. Uh, there's a, obviously you've seen a lot of the jukebox musicals, the yeah. repurposing of of intellectual property to bring it to stage. I'm not talking about. I don't, I'm getting a little salty. There's the theater of guy in me. It was like, Go ahead. original music, please. Original <laughs> music. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think, and, and it's talent too. It's the talent. So all those people I talked about, Osborne, Mandy Moore, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Cannon, Ashton. Now they have podcasts that they own content that they're creating out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to be a part of that boom for them. So yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change my strategy. I wouldn't change. I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through as a kid, but I wouldn't be where I was today if that's what I didn't go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, sometimes the scars are what, what get us past certain points and others would quit. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, 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 yeah. yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's an yeah. interesting concept, but sometimes you have to be, almost be thankful for it and not, not let it. Something that bad happened to you once, something that bad happened to you once, don't keep letting it do bad things to you over and over and over again for the rest of your life type of thing. Don't let it, it. if anything, it's just don't let it not let you show up because showing up is where everything happens. Being in the room with me, that's where everything happens is I was there. I was in the room. I heard the conversations. I'm empowered Mm -hmm. to go make this happen now. If I'm not in the room, it's bad. Uh, I host an off-Broadway show, right? I'm thinking about, this is really funny now. I'm going to think about, am I talented or not? I host an off-Broadway show. It's a live improv game show every single month. And I do it so I can be surrounded by some of the funniest comedians and uprising mm-hmm. comedians in New York. Mm-hmm. So I'm on theater now, you know, like, I'm, I'm doing it and I can't wait. We're going to, we're pitching that show. So I can you know, put the carpet for course. Anyone listening to this who wants to just see what that looks like, you know, talk to me. <laughs> what, what, what advice would you give? Cause, and again, even like the clients that I've had myself, um, people I've worked, whatever, many walks of life where they are, and this is kind of who I kind of where my, my mission kind of has rooted itself is the, the people who maybe have, you know, similar, whether it's trauma in their past or somebody said something to them or they just haven't accomplished X yet. So they put themselves in shackles, they put themselves in a box and they label themselves as something that's, you know, untrue or, or it's, it's a stigma that holds them back. Right. And yeah. they're, and let's say they're there, whether they're a business owner, they want to make it in, they want to start a podcast, they want to be a content creator, whatever it is. And they want to start to brand themselves, but they're scared because they believe that they have nothing to offer. What, what would your advice be to those people to start? Uh, well, the first thing is you, you don't have to offer anything because you, you are the value. Like being in the room is what makes you valuable. Like, so I want to give you permission to not offer anything by the way, other than yourself, because that's the one thing that you uniquely can do that no one else can. And because I'm Gen X, oh no, I'm not. Yeah, because I'm Gen X, I also want to say shout out to Blockbuster. Uh, be kind and rewind. Be kind and rewind, man. Like we are a non-linear storytelling society. Go back into your history. It's not a revisionist history. I want to be careful about how I frame this, by the way. I'm not saying change the facts, but I'm telling you the facts have changed the word, the definition, there's more language now than we had before. The encyclopedia I grew up on that my dad and my uncle and my godfather and my grandmother had in the house didn't even have the word internet in it. And that's the one thing I wanted to do was be on the internet. So like, I knew that that there's more that's out there, but be kind and rewind. That's like what I really, that's kind of like a fun way to say that. I wanna, I'm gonna play around. That's the first time yeah. I've said that. I really like that because <laughs> of the media and analogy to it. But like this idea of, 
don't it's okay to reset it's okay to have a history mm-hmm. it's great to have a history but it's painful to have a history but being creative is painful being creative is painful it's a painful process it's taking something from the inside and getting it outside and collaborating with people who have different experiences it's it's a wonderful process but it does tend to be a painful one because of the way the care and the energy that you're building these with so mm-hmm. first just permission to not offer anything to be really blunt and honest when i started my podcast i came out with a trailer that's it a year and a half later i came out with my first episode you want to know why because the second i put my trailer out for i have a podcast everyone said oh you make podcasts can you make it for me and i thought yeah you want to pay me to make your podcast and i'll learn how to make podcasts because I know how to like take podcasts and make them TV shows and movies and books mm-hmm. and speaking tours. And like, I knew that part because I was taught that mm-hmm. at the network. I didn't know how to record an audio file by myself without going to a million dollar studio with a million dollar yeah. producer and like those budgets. <laughs> and when I learned that from us and I account and I attach that to what I learned behind the closed doors in the media, that's how I show up. That's how I show up now. Just showing up in the room. It's really all it takes. A trailer. Mm-hmm. A trailer. Just save the space for yourself. It's an RSVP. Names on the my name's on the card on the table. That's it. I don't have to be at the table. My name's on the table. I'm on the dance floor, hanging out, meeting people, getting <laughs> drinks. <laughs> I love I love I just love your energy. Like oh, I, I, I used I used that. to I used to not like this word so much. And then my my now fiance got me on it, but your vibe. Oh yeah. <laughs> your Yo, I used vibes. to not like the word but it's vibes vibes go vibes travel and you can take this vibe with you too and it's we're it's frequencies i love I'm, i love physics in the universe so i can i'm borrowing it i'm borrowing i'm borrowing yours um but now, cool, now, cool. now i now i find myself using it a lot I'm using it a lot um but anyways i want to respect your time this was absolutely amazing i feel like i could have kept going for another three or four hours but i always ask this question uh vinnie what is the next summit that you are chasing my friend Oh, I appreciate that. Um, my per- a personal summit for me, like professionally, yeah, my personal, you, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I've got um, uh, I've got two big speaking appearances happening this year that I'm really excited to leverage because I think it's a really big idea, and I've even said it in this podcast: permission inspires action, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take that to the mountaintops literally like i reached out to tedx mile high in colorado because what colorado has done in the states for conversations around female empowerment and political empowerment or dispowerment and just the conversation around hallucinogenic like just i what colorado as a state has done is fascinating to me have they been able to move the needle and i love this question that it has the word summit in it because that's exactly where i wanted to go was the mile high summit because who better to share this knowledge with and information within people who are already living it. I'm just going to refine the message. So they pick up on my vibes and then I'll be part of the share economy. So that that's a really big summit that I'm chasing after. Um, I didn't give myself the permission to be a public speaker until recently. And until just uh, recently. So very, yeah, it's a very, but also I'm okay to be on stage with like, Beyonce and Mandy Moore. And I know. Like, you, who, who isn't by the way, but like, that's what I thought I needed to have. I thought, you know, I built the system where when I show up, the rest of my stars are expected to be around me or something celebrity is going to sort of happen. And it's these conversations that give me clarity that I like, yeah, okay. 
I think I like that. I think I like to kick off that conversation. And also it's what I can do. It's not what I should do. Mm. What I should do is be in other people's audiences supporting them because that's nothing I know I should mm. do. What I can do is create better structures for audiences focused on community more so than audience. Um, that's a big summit that I'm chasing is that, that, and that, that positions me as a story source, not a mm-hmm. storyteller. Mm-hmm. And the story sources are the people who sell shows quickly just by walking in the room. Storytellers need story sources to make content happen on, in the publicly traded world of media, let's say mm-hmm. that way. So if I can be the source of a story instead of a storyteller, that's going to help me make more impact on what I want to do. You're going to be the Beyonce on your stage. Oh, it's I like be that. You. It's going to be you. That's it's it. It's going to be you. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to give you a minute plug? Where can people find you? Uh, do you have anything else that's going on right oh, now? Oh, yeah. I your show? That. Anything else? Look, we talked a lot about uh, some of the things that I am passionate mm-hmm. about. Uh, winning awards, uh, g- getting more visibility on IMDb. Um, I did tremendous amount of research on, you know, as we know, Google podcast is no longer a thing. Now all that's being pushed to Amazon music. There were hundreds of podcast directories that were launched and dozens that were shut down. I did the work to find those. Most people think you need great content to have more distribution. You just need more distribution to have more distribution. So if you go to vpe.tv slash gift, You'll see I've put all those resources there for free to support you. Take screenshots, share them with me. Sharing will help you grow. And sharing is something I celebrate on my stage as well. I've trained my audience to to champion and wait for those moments of of greatness that come from us. So vpe.tv slash gift if you're looking to tap into any of those resources that I've chatted about. And dude, thank you so much for this. I, I feel like my energy has a has escalated. I'm going to go run a marathon now. <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you do. Well, yeah. and, and you're, you're, I, this is, it's an odd compliment that I give people such as yourself, but I'm glad you exist. Uh, we, we need, we need more people like you, the positive, the people that have, again, not the typical path to se- success and to get to where they were. They've had to overcome things. They've had shackles. They've figured out how to, how to kind of take those shackles off or to use them to make the world a better place for those around them. So again, I really appreciate you, Vinny, and thank you for jumping on. Thank you for watching this episode of the Summit Chasers podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed, you were inspired, you learned something that you can use to go and chase whatever your next summit may be. Be sure to like and comment your takeaways from the episode below. Also, follow us on all social media platforms under Summit Chasers Network. And if you're watching this on YouTube, be sure to turn on your notifications so you can be notified when we drop new content like how-to videos, business best practices, motivation, and personal development strategies. And until next time, keep chasing your summit. I'll see you on the next one.